person who's licentious, the person who says, I don't care about God's commands, just love is all you need, that person wants to be in control of their own life. They want to determine what's right, and they don't want to come under the authority of Jesus. And also the person who's legalistic, who says, it all depends on me, they don't really trust in Jesus. And they think that their salvation is in their own hands. They're in control because if they keep the rules, God owes them something. This is Pastor Tim. And this is Pastor John. And this is Every Moment His, uh, a podcast where we take a look at the weekly sermon and see how it applies to every moment of our lives. We're coming to you from uh, the beautiful sanctuary of Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska. And right now it's particularly beautiful because the afternoon sun comes in through the stained glass. And so just imagine it in your minds with us and uh, see the beauty of our surroundings as we come into the light of God's word. Wow, that was really profound. That's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Uh, you, you went first this time. You introduced us. Yes. Yeah. Big step. So. To, well, this is an important podcast because we're excited to share with you uh, our new sermon series and the beginnings of what that sermon series is going to try to unfold mm-hmm. in our lives. And that is uh, the sermon series called Saved to Serve. Saved to serve. Saved to serve. Say that five times. Yeah, we're going to get good at saying that. Saved to serve. We'll probably mess it up a few times. Uh, Speaking of new, you got a new chair. I did. uh, We didn't buy a new chair, to be clear. (laughs) We found a new chair. (laughs) Which is is better. It is. It's better to find a chair. Good stewardship there, Pastor. But yeah, the, uh, the other chair was quite squeaky. It was a squeaker. And so this chair is whisper quiet. You know, mine kind of squeaks. It does. That's all right. Sorry, dear listener, there's still some squeaks in our yeah. studio here. We're not going to take the time to edit that stuff out. No, no. So. <laughs> we're not that good. No, we're not. No. So <laughs> amateurs at best. But um, save to serve. Uh, you want to just break this down? Yeah, me? so looking at... The gospel. The gospel must impact every moment of our lives. I think uh, we've said that before. We have, yeah. And it, it's bringing an entirely new kingdom into the world. It's bringing a restoration into the world, not through our power, but through the power of Jesus. And as we are found in Jesus, uh, that brings us to different ways of thinking, different ways of living and relating to each other on the ground, right? So mm-hmm. Christianity is not about escaping this creation, escaping the world, dying and going to heaven. Um, It is about God restoring the whole world, beginning with us. So through the gospel, he claims for himself workers uh, who are then created in Christ to do good works. Right. And so there's a key verse that really points us in this direction. Yeah, I got it right right here. Hit us with it. I'm going to hit it. Hit you with the word here. All right. It is one that you might know. I would say it's the theme verse of our sermon series. Mm -hmm. It's from Ephesians, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Yeah. And I love these words because they're very clear about how we're saved and how we're saved informs how we serve. Yeah. And, and it's not optional, right? And so I think um, actually when the Lutheran reformers were talking about being saved by faith alone, Mm-hmm. which uh, the Roman Catholic Church said, well, flag on the play, um, works have a role to play in your salvation before God. And Luther said, no, um, faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. Yeah. And that's, you just have to keep these things in the right order. So the accusation towards the Lutherans was, you guys are just crazy. You're not doing, you're not going to do any good works, you mm-hmm. know, and of course God desires righteousness. So, yeah. You guys are going to cause lawlessness mm-hmm. to come among the people. And the Lutherans said, no, but we want to be absolutely clear that our salvation, all glory goes to Jesus yeah. so that no one can boast. And at the same time, in our relationship towards our mother, our father, our brother, our sister, our neighbor, we are created for good works. So yeah. as God has changed us from self-centered people to God-centered people, mm-hmm. he has repurposed us for yeah. serving the world. He has saved us for a purpose, a people who should be, as Paul says in the third chapter of Titus, I believe, we should be a people zealous for good works. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Luther and the reformers were really going to the Pope and saying, hey, dude, we just read Paul. <laughs> dude. Yeah, I'm sure he said dude. Yeah, pretty sure said, hey, dude, we just read the book of Ephesians and Romans and Galatians, and it said we're not justified by our works, but we are saved and justified for good works to do them. And and I think a really cool thing about the Reformation, too, is that the Reformation rediscovered that good works are everywhere. And mm-hmm. so in the medieval church, there was this idea that if you wanted to do good works— then you should become a monk, you should become a priest, you should remove yourself from the world. And I think that comes out today where people say, hey, if you want to do good works, you got to serve at the soup kitchen, you got to take a mission trip, you got to do those kinds of things, which aren't bad. Those are good things. Those yeah. are good things. You know, do those things. But, but I think what Luther and the Reformers said through reading Paul's letters was, hey guys, everything you do as a Christian is a good work, except for sinning, of course, but... Um, right. But like your good works are located where God's called you. So if God has called you to be a father, a, a mother, a son, a daughter, a neighbor, a citizen, a worker, uh, if, if you are, are single, if you are wherever you're at in life, I mean, all those places are like good works abound. Yeah. And so he kind of famously talked about like the, the maid, right? The simple made in a household milking a cow or milking a yeah. goat. He said, that's the work of God. Or even he talked <laughs> about the dad who changes diapers. Right. <laughs> and, you know. It's classic. Luther, he's like, yeah, when, when dad changes diapers, he's doing sanctified, holy, good works that are right. pleasing to God. As opposed to the thought at the time, which was that stuff's not important to God. What's If you really wanted to do important work for God, you would give money to the church mm-hmm. or you would become a nun or a priest or a you would go into the life of the church that's the sanctified work and luther said no sanctified work is changing diapers in the middle of the night when your wife gets 20 more minutes of sleep yeah that's the work of god right 
And so this is what we really want to talk about um, in the context, keeping in, in mind our salvation is given to us in Christ, and that gives us a great confidence and peace. Mm-hmm. But then also there's this whole venue of life where you have been called, and it's really important for you to dive into those callings. Only yeah. you have that calling, you know? So yeah. if someone doesn't change that kid's diaper, like literally that kid will die eventually, right? Right, right. It's essential that we have these roles. In fact, God is using us for these roles. Luther would talk... Well, so by the way, let's get some terms clear. Um, Luther and the Reformers would often talk about vocation. Yeah. Uh, your vocation is your calling, and he would call these things masks of God. And what he means by that is that God is serving uh, through you, that you are the, the hands and the feet through which God is serving, that you know God is, is feeding the family through the person who milks the cow, you know, stuff like that. And, and so we need to be aware of these vocations in our lives, but we also need to be aware that we are not saved through them. That's right. I yeah. mean, we're just quoting Luther a lot today, but Luther wrote a lot on vocation. So, you know, he said that God doesn't need your good works. In fact, God doesn't need anything from you. Right. Uh, he's not, you know, Jerry Maguire, you complete me. No. <laughs> God doesn't need your good works, but man, your neighbor does. Right. So let's do those good works, but let's be clear on how are we saved, not by our good works, but what do saved people do? They saved do good people works. do good works. Yeah. And I think there's actually something that's very freeing about this, too, because um, sometimes we can think we as Christians, are, our responsibility is to, like, save the world. You know, like, we have to go be the missionary, you know, to the, the group that doesn't speak English or, or have the Bible. And it's like, well, if you're, are you called to that? Are you gifted in that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, actually... You can't accomplish all things, but you can accomplish those things that God has put around you. Yeah. So you are the o- you're the only neighbor to the left of your neighbor's house. Right. That's you. You know, mm-hmm. you're the only father. That's mm-hmm. you. You're the only husband. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm kind of talking. You're the only. You're the specific person in that setting. You're not all things to all people. Yeah. You are spe- you are specifically uh, a brother to your brother, you know, you are your sister, you are a uh, son to your dad, your mom. And so it gives us the focus of our good works is those God-given relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that as we progress in this sermon series, by the way, there's three parts to it. The first part, which will be August and part of September, is really our home life, whatever that is for us, our household life, you know, whether you're married or single or you've, you've got parents living or you've got children, um, whatever your home life is, that's part one. Then we're going to break into part two, which is really our church life. And then part three will be our role as a citizen and neighbor. So your work, uh, your role, uh, your civic duty as a, as a citizen mm-hmm. and things like that. Now, we want to avoid two ditches that we could fall into. One ditch is the uh, what we'll call antinomianism. Yep. And that's a fancy term that just means anti-law, against the law. Against the law. And yeah. it basically means that, you know, you know, we're saved by grace. It doesn't matter what we do. Like what really matters is that we believe in Jesus. Let's not pay much attention to good works. Don't get strung out on the details. 
And then there's the other ditch we can fall into, and that's called legalism. And legalism is when we're so particular, obsessing over, are we doing enough good works, and are these works good enough for God? And, and, and maybe we even begin to take pride in them and, and trust in them for our salvation rather than the perfect, finished work of Jesus. Right. And so both of those things are, are fatal, yeah. I would say. Uh, they're fatal to the Christian faith. Um, and they're common too, actually, if you look around mm-hmm. and if you've been, you might be able to observe this in different church bodies, mm-hmm. uh, you would see maybe a very, uh, antinomian church that would just say, you know what? All that matters is love. All that matters is love. Love is all you need. Yeah. There's no transgression and they'll focus on the gospel, which is this free word from God to the exclusion of, of these God-given roles. So they pit God against God. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, well, now that Jesus, in fact, St. Paul in Romans chapter 6, he says, what should we say? Should we go on sinning so that grace may abound? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, and they say, sure. Or, <laughs> you know, great. if you want to, that's fine. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, and he says, Paul says, by no means, like, no way possible. Paul's like, dude. Dude. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. And so, no, of course not. God has called us to righteousness, and real there's real consequences. So, an antinomian church body will tend towards foolishness. They will not guide their children in the way of salvation. Uh, well, in the way of God's righteousness, they right. will say whatever you want to be. You know, God's gonna just get. God's going to save you no matter what you do, no matter what you think. Right, and I would say that that maybe this is kind of not dealing with the particulars of love. So it's like, all you need is love. Love is all you need. Just love, love, love. Beatles. Yeah, that's the theology, right? Beatles yeah. theology. Just love. But that love has no contours or shape to it. It's just kind of squishy. Yeah. It doesn't have any shape to it. Because if you look at the commandments, the commandments are the shape of what love looks like. If you want to love God... Don't worship other gods. Don't misuse his name. Honor the Sabbath. If you want to love other people created in his image, you probably shouldn't like kill them or you know slander them with your words or steal from them or cheat on them. You know, right? It's all those things that give specific shape to what it means to be a human being and to live in love towards others. But then we also have the other side. Some church bodies can be legalistic, and it's almost like in parenting you can have. You can have permissive parenting. Like yeah, very much so. I don't care if you eat nothing but potato chips and watch SpongeBob <laughs> all day. Just go for it. And then don't you got ju- I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you've got the the uh, the authoritarian you know, right. parenting where everything's a spanking and go to your room and I'm yeah. your dad and you're not. You know, and that kind of thing. Fear reigns. Fear, you yeah. know. One is no boundaries. One is like nothing but boundaries no grace no grace and so then we get these church bodies and i would say that i came to know christ within the context of a of a church body that was very legalistic it was Mm -hmm. like to be a christian means you don't smoke you don't drink you don't dance you don't listen to secular music and so here i am throwing away my green day cds (laughs) yeah yeah so there is that too did you quit dancing too well i I can't dance move my body but (laughs) uh so yeah we we have these two 
pits we can fall into. Talk yeah. about legalism in a church, maybe. What might this well, look I, like? Well, I think the key is legalism in a church will be suspicious and will be fearful. Yeah. And so where the antinomian church will cause foolishness to reign, uh, the legalistic church will be fearful. People will be anxious. Yeah. And so both of those are pitfalls. Um, and so, you know, you'll, you'll be in a church and, and people are just tense. Yeah. They're not sure where they stand with God. Maybe God doesn't love me because I dropped an F-bomb this week or something. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. Or maybe, uh, maybe God, maybe I'm not a Christian because I'm not raising my kids right. Right. So if you're, if you're going through a struggle, um, you're struggling with your sin, uh, the legalistic church will draw a line in the sand. Yeah, and they'll and say, say, try harder. If you do harder. that one more time, mm-hmm. you're out. You try know, harder. You'll have to come back and and go through, you'll have to be baptized again, possibly, because you mm-hmm. had lost your faith. Now, it is true that persistent sin can lead us away from salvation. Right. But that's because we're preferring God's, uh, we're preferring our sin to God's grace. Mm-hmm. And so we want to stay right in the middle, right? We, wa- we don't want to fall off on either side. Yeah, we want to preach the law. We want to say, hey, guys, here's the commandments, and, and those commandments will always accuse us. They'll show us that we're, we've fallen short. But we never leave people on that note. We always preach the good news that we're saved by grace alone because only that can change your heart mm-hmm. and renew your affections. You know, like rules without relationship equals rebellion, I've heard mm. said. And it's that way with God that the more we treasure the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts, the more we're going to say no to the stuff that dishonors him. Yeah, and yes to the things that he has called us to. Yeah. Now, I would say, too, that... We talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, our buddy Tim Keller, uh, who's just a prolific author in terms of uh, writing about the gospel, he talks about how antinomianism, this kind of permissiveness, and legalism, this uh, this harshness, they're actually from the same root. And the root is, I want to be in control, mm. and I don't trust God. Because the the person who's licentious, the person who says, I don't care about God's commands, just love is all you need. That person wants to be in control of their own life. They want to determine what's right, and they don't want to come under the authority of Jesus. And also the person who's legalistic, who says, it all depends on me, they don't really trust in Jesus, and they think that their salvation is in their own hands. They're in control because if they keep the rules, God owes them something. So, same root, just different manifestations. Yeah, I, I almost feel like that bears repeating, right? That both of these circumstances come from the same root, which is ultimately a lack of faith. One is a, a lack of faith in the command of God as this is good. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like the kid who just doesn't trust that their parents know what they're talking about. Yeah. And the other one comes from a lack of faith in the mercy of God. And so they look to their own performance to justify themselves, and they're terrified of God. They, they cannot trust that it is accomplished. Mm-hmm. And so both have the same pitfall, the same root. And so we want to avoid both of those things. We want to say, and it's a tension, right? We want to say, you are saved by grace through faith. This is not your own doing. No man may boast. So just rest in that reality. Take yeah. confidence. Know that. It's not your performance that saves you. It's the performance of Jesus, thanks be to God, and be, be at peace with God. And at the same time to say, now you have work to do 
that is a c- completely on you to serve your neighbor. And you're going to do better or worse at that. And it's going to be, you're going to have failure, you're going to have su- success. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that you're saved by grace in Christ and you can rest on that. And it doesn't change the fact that you're still should, should charge your whole life toward those callings and toward those vocations. Yeah. And, and so how does this apply to these vocations of father, mother, sister, son, daughter, yeah. neighbor, etc.? You know, we want to do some intentional preaching in this series about how we serve faithfully in these callings. I mean, I want to be a more faithful, loving husband. I want to be a more faithful, loving neighbor, uh, father, because all those vocations are difficult and they're trying at times. But I'm not going to get there on my own strength. I need the saving love and grace of Jesus Christ to change my heart from the inside out. And it's his love alone that's going to shape me to be uh, better in these arenas. So so I'm going to be a better parent when God parents me. I'll be a better father as I learn my father's heart for both me and my kids. I'm going to be a better husband as I learn who Jesus is as the perfect husband who laid down his mm. life for me, who I'm part of the bride of Christ. And that's where we want to avoid this moralism because sometimes sermon series on these are just kind of awful because they're just like, here's seven principles for being a better dad. And right, I'm like, right. let me gouge my I eye g- out I with a spoon. I could have read that on I could have read that on, <laughs> yeah. on a, I don't even know where I'd read that. Huff Post. Huff Post. Yeah, maybe. BuzzFeed. <laughs> BuzzFeed. <laughs> Whenever I read, read BuzzFeed articles, I lose all faith in humanity, though. So, um, <laughs> yeah. To be honest. I think that's fair. <laughs> it's like 24 things that J-Lo did this week. Like, <laughs> why do I care about that? Anyways. I don't get the buzz. Maybe the people that write it are buzzed. Yeah. Or maybe the people that read it are. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Either way. And they're eating something. And they're eating something. Yeah. BuzzFeed sounds like honey. Hmm. I'm not <laughs> enough of a millennial to understand it. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Your grandpa millennial. I'm like a, me, yeah. I'm either a pre-millennial or I'm like late Gen X. I think late Gen X definitely sounds cooler than pre-millennial. Yeah, I think so too. It's like a pre-teen, you know. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? I don't about know. Again? Anyway, so <laughs> we are. We got to get back to our <laughs> crux here. Let's recenter. So. Let's go to Luther for uh, for that. Um, Luther, one of one of the quotes that just sticks with me, and I just found it find it to be more and more profound. Actually, is when Luther says that the Christian lives in Christ and in his neighbor. Hmm. So our life is hidden in Christ, and our salvation belongs there, and that's total rest and a total passivity, a receiving from God, and we live in our neighbor. We're concentrated on. What does my neighbor need? Where the Christian doesn't live is in himself. He doesn't look to himself for salvation, and he doesn't look to his own interests. He lives totally secure in Christ, and he lives in total um, love and and um, almost like an ob- obsessive, like um, observing of the other. You know, what does my neighbor need, and that's what, how I'll shape my life mm-hmm. uh, for their sake. And so I think that is just, we have kind of a dual focus in the Christian life um, where we're focused on Christ, we're focused on our neighbor. Yeah. And then we trust that we'll be okay. It's really the opposite of the me culture, you know, 
where we even talk about, you know, I just need self-love and, and self-care. And, and self-care is important in that, like, hey, you should exercise and eat well and sleep enough, you know, and have a hobby. That's good. But I think sometimes it can become so much like, I need to focus on me. I come first. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, there's a certain part of that that's, that's valid, but there's a part of it that can become sort of idolatrous. Like, yeah. you know, I don't need to serve my neighbor because I come first. And really, yeah. Jesus says, you know, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and lay down his life as a ransom. Or Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that each of you should consider the interests of others really as more important than yourself. Yeah, and I remember when Ger- Gerard Bowling was talking with us he at his church, they say, uh, less selfie, more servy. Less selfie, more servy. <laughs> and I kind of like that. You know, it's kind of like... That's a t-shirt. <laughs> it is. That would be a good t-shirt. Or a koozie. But it, it because our culture is continually wrapping us in this bubble wrap of self-interest, you know, like all of our internet stuff is catered to us, you know, it's like an echo chamber, and we have to get not only uh, sparkling water, but we have to get the best sparkling water, you know. Are you throwing <laughs> me under the bus here because I'm drinking S. Pellegrino right. Essenza? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> But we have to get, you know, we, everything has to be perfectly tailored to our convenience and our liking. You know, we can't just get co- black coffee. We have to get ethically sourced, perfect coffee, you know, and just... You're throwing me under the bus again. Uh, but that's my stuff, too. I love that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like how much of that just focuses on your preferences are number one about everything. Yeah. When the gospel calls us to sacrifice yeah. and to, to lay down our lives. It's like, but our culture, the liturgy of our culture is teaching us something else. Yeah. And, you know, just a practical point, and we'll, we'll talk about this in the series, like, you know, like, you know, maybe you're struggling in your marriage or maybe you're struggling in your parenting or, or maybe you're, you're struggling in your job or just your neighbors, you know, all those things in your relationships, um, I think that less selfie, more survey, you know, mm-hmm. can we, can we die to ourselves and, and can we not say, what can this person do for me? But on a daily basis, what can I do for this person? Even if it's not returned to me, because that is, is good seed being sowed. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I had a, I had another quote. Can we end on a quote today? Let's do it. Yeah. My quotes are sometimes paraphrases, so if anybody else knows this quote, don't be like, you botched it. Uh, have you heard the quote by C.S. Lewis where he says that next to the blessed sacrament itself, the most priceless, valuable thing that you'll ever encounter is your neighbor? I have heard that. Did yeah. I get the essence of it? You did, yeah. Okay, Yeah. all right. That really, as you behold your neighbor created in the image of God, um, that that that's the place where you can love Jesus. Like yeah. You can't see Jesus in the flesh right now, but you can love him really well by loving his people. Yeah, and I think once you start to open your eyes um, to this reality, you know, that I found it so beautiful because it's like, man, I really do know a lot of people who are like, I don't understand the point of this life. And you know, I know a lot of guys in particular who were like, the whole point of life is to play video games 
or to just watch sports and yeah, drink yeah. bush light. Or a, a lot of girls, I see young young girls, and like they they kind of think the point of life is to look good in selfies on Instagram, find and it's a, it's a, a bit boyfriend. of a caricature, yeah. right? But a little bit. at the same time, it's it's real, and I think you know what you're looking for. You're looking for a calling. You're looking for yeah. a purpose. And well, you could even say, to be fair, you could say that there's a lot of retirees who say, "Absolutely, my life is the RV and the golf game. You know, that's yeah. just what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take it easy and rest." And it's like, well, there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. Leisure is a gift from God. We call it Sabbath, right? Resting. But man, we've got all this time to serve. Yeah, to uh, love opportunities. your grandkids, to love your neighbor, to 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 volunteer i mean that's the life of the christian and we can take joy in these things that yeah and it and we take joy in them not in the way maybe the world does because the world has kind of a selfie good works thing going on yeah, like i gotta i gotta show everybody all the good stuff i'm boasting doing. yeah boasting and and as christians we don't we don't need to show people our good works because we know god sees it yeah, but we should be zealous for those good works. And like, Do it. Yeah. yeah, I think we should not be pursuing, you know, the bucket of shells from the seashore as, you know, as retired people. We, sh- we should be pursuing, how can I bless my grandson, my granddaughter with faith? How can I serve my community? What can I suffer for in the name of Jesus to bring life into this world? And so that's really what we're going to focus on with this sermon series, how— how do we orient ourselves to where God has placed us in this time, in this place, for the sake of the people around us? How can we really dig into that, knowing the gospel has, has freed us from yeah. condemnation? I'm excited. Me too. I, I feel like just talking through it now, I'm a little jazzed up now. All right. Well, I think we've uh, given this about as much time as we need to, and now it's, it's time to, to be done, so... We're glad you could join us, and uh, hopefully you can join us on the next episode. Yeah, and, and come hear, hear the sermon series so that you can really take it in. Amen. All right. God's peace be with you.